Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. The controversy over the Ten Commandments doesn't seem to go away anytime soon, and especially not in the great state of Alabama, home of the Ten Commandments judge, wannabe, but won't be senator, and uh, now a ballot, uh, a constitutional amendment on the ballot. Here to discuss the Alabama Ten Commandments uh, proposition is my good friend and colleague, Kevin James, Associate Director of Public Affairs and Religious Liberty for the Seventh-day Adventist Church in the southern part of the United States. Kevin, welcome back to Freedom's Ring. Thank you, Alan. Good to be with you again. So the Alabama legislature put this amendment on the ballot. Tell us about this uh, Ten Commandments uh, proposition here, and, and it's going to be voted here in November. Yeah, well, you know, it's all kind of deja vu in a sense, isn't it, Alan? I mean, back in the 90s when we had Judge Roy Moore becoming the Ten Commandment judge back in the day, it just seems like uh, uh, Alabama is in a perpetual Ten Commandment state of mind. <laughs> To, to me, and uh, if you follow what I'm saying, I mean, you know, you know, you know, really back in the back of the early days of this, you and I had uh, conversations over the phone. Yeah, uh, we did. And uh, when we had the when it first erupted, when he was a, uh, a circuit judge, uh, and uh, and amazingly enough, uh, that um, was uh, thrown out on a technicality, but it was enough for his popularity to be voted in as chief justice at one point, in which he put in a Ten Commandments stone. You know, in the middle of the foyer there of the Alabama Supreme Court, and he was uh, dislodged from his position uh, due to his defiance on that. And then he's reelected again, and is again removed for his defiance over the issue of of uh, of clerks um, signing uh, same-sex certificates, as I recall. And so now, you know, now we're just coming up again. It seems like it seems like the Ten Commandments have a hold on that state as far as the controversy. This concern, but as to the amendment, I mean, it's just an, it's just a, uh, what I'm trying to say here is just a, a continuation of what has been in the past. And I think it's a, uh, uh, it has a lot of support, obviously, behind it. I think the, uh, a lot of people are in favor of such and, and don't see the, um, uh, the, the real, the, the dangers to religious freedom that it presents, unfortunately. I mean, it's all good and, and uh, for those who are of a Judeo-Christian faith, which is, of course, the majority in Alabama, but what is a communicative faith that are um, not as well represented? That's the question. You know, um, I'll make two points. I'm looking at the text of this mm -hmm. right now, and there's a lot of verbiage in here that's already in essentially protected in the Alabama Constitution. So if, if yes, you just look at correct. this, you would say, oh, yeah, this protects a lot more than the Ten Commandments. But actually, everything else that's protected in here about religious freedom is already protected in the Alabama Constitution. It's really just a Ten Commandments thing. And to me, there's a term that Americans don't use very much anymore. It's the term desecrate. Now, it has been used uh, improperly in yes. relation to the American flag. 
Yeah. You know, we, we had a flag desecration amendment. But yes. the term desecrate means to take something that is sacred and right. then make it common. Okay. Now, right. yes. the Ten Commandments are sacred. They are obviously um, very sacred. They were written by, you know, the account that we believe is that mm-hmm. God wrote them with his finger on the tablets of stone, as it were. Um, so they're very sacred. And yet they're being dragged through the political mud. Their display is being justified constitutionally because of their historic and legal significance and social significance. And their sacredness is being downplayed. So they're being desecrated. Um, well, I can't agree with you more. To me, the whole controversy, even outside of Alabama, about posting the Ten Commandments in public lands on the basis of, well, you know, this is like any other historical document that uh, that defines American history and origins and those kind of things. I've always found it to be such a, a sad statement uh, from those who are trying to promote this because it is a desecration. Because the Ten Commandments are not just ordinary historical document, uh, at least from a scriptural standpoint of view. So I think it's good that you brought out the desecration part. I think that's meaningful and it's very, um, it's very pointed and accurate. You know, but look, um, I guess I've got to make two points and I'll make the, the first one first because, you know, if we're going to politically, you know, some, somehow champion the Ten Commandments, their significance in society, certainly creating public displays, it's more than just saying, Hey, I'm on the God team. You know, mm-hmm. you, you got to mm-hmm. take the text seriously. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, put aside the debate for a moment. You know, you and I are Seventh-day Adventists. We believe that the Fourth Commandment, the Sabbath Commandment, should be observed on the day that it was observed originally, which is Friday night to Saturday sundown. Mm-hmm. But even for those who disagree, who believe that the sanctity was uh, changed from Saturday to Sunday, they don't observe a Sabbath on Sunday. They may go to church on Sunday, but they don't observe a day for the most part. Very, very few do. And so, I mean, give me a break. There is very little interest among Christians today in America in keeping the Ten Commandments. I would, uh, I, yeah, I, I think that the evidence is kind of... <laughs> of uh proving that out and and then again that just uh, makes it even more tragic i guess because this is so um full of um misguided nostalgia and uh bringing it into a common and um you know it's it's sad to see the 10 commandments being drawn you know dragged through a, a political mud and agenda uh, as you're mentioning because it's doing such a disservice to the 10 commandments and also it does a disservice, in my view, as it impunges the character of God and who he is. And the most powerful aspect of God's character is his love. And to love, you have to have free will. And he gives that to all of us. And he's not a God that's going to force the Ten Commandments on us. It's something that he writes upon our hearts when we ask for it. But in no way does he force it on us. So explain that a little bit. You're saying that by pushing the public display of the commandments that somehow that's misrepresenting God's character? Yes. Yes, because I don't believe we serve a God of coercion. He's a God of love that that uh, asks us and invites us 
into a personal relationship with him in which upon he promises to write the Ten Commandments on our hearts, the new hearts that he gives us. It's a relationship of reciprocal love, not of a God that's coming in and stamping it on us against our, our will. And in a sense, when we want to display the Ten Commandments exclusive of any other um, uh, faith document of other faiths out there, we're essentially saying Christianity is it, and that's all there is, and you're going to have to accept that. And um, I don't see that in the nature of God as doing that way. Sure, he had Ten Commandments, and he had his people write things and things of his people that were in covenant relationship with him, but he didn't go around to other nations and keep stamping it uh, on the other nations around him. This has always been an invitation into a relationship with him, not something that's coercive or forced. One of the things I think that, you know, when Americans grow up in a religion that is the dominant religion in their community and their culture, I don't think they understand the sort of cultural pressure, coercive pressure placed on those who are of a minority. Yes. Religion becomes so dominant in public, in public Mm -hmm. schools, in government. Um, I'll tell us kind of a, a, perhaps a trivial example. We did a program years ago in, in Sacramento, California, and a mother, a Muslim woman, told the story of her child coming back from second grade or third grade, her daughter coming home in December and asking to have a Christmas tree. Hmm. The mother wanted to know, you know, we're Muslim. We don't do Christmas. Why do you want to have a Christmas tree? Hmm. That's all the kids were talking about in school was Christmas and all of the gifts and all the preparations. And it was the most wonderful thing to do Christmas. And this little Muslim girl didn't want to miss out. She wanted what all the other kids were excited about and all the presents. Um, You know, it's probably why as a Jewish kid growing up in New York, guess what? We had a Christmas tree and we did Christmas. You know, Hanukkah (laughs) was was second rate. You know, we, we don't understand the pressures that a majority faith can impose on the minority. And, you know, maybe we say, well, but, you know, if we're Christian, we say, well, Jesus is the way. He's the one true light. And so why does it matter? We should encourage everybody to be Christian. Well, that's the work of the church. It's not the work of the state. Exactly. And that's where I think we get confused. I agree. I agree. I mean, I think it's well-meaning. It's just misguided and misunderstood. And um, I mean, until you're in a culture that has another dominant faith, which I have been in other cultures that have a dominant faith other than mine, uh, you you don't realize the social pressures that are out there, just like you said. It's just, it doesn't affect us who are a part of that and embrace that dominant religion. Uh, but it's definitely, uh, it's definitely apparent when uh, you don't share that same faith. And um, it's very coercive. Well, I'm guessing, just as a wild guess from, you know, across the country, that people in Alabama may very well support this Ten Commandments amendment to their constitution. I would agree. Well, I was just going to ask if you know how it's been polling. Has it been polling well? Oh, I haven't. uh, So many other things have been going on. No, I have not seen any polling on it. Um, 
I, I just have to go with my gut on it uh-huh. and, and, know, and knowing the history of Alabama and this whole issue with the Ten Commandments that start way back with Judge Roy Moore as a circuit judge back in, what was it, uh, 95 or 6 or something like that. But going all the way back there, it um, it's always been favorable for the people. And that was very obvious in the fact that he ran on that basis for chief justice of the state Supreme Court and won overwhelmingly. So... This is another part of the whole thing that that I'm so uncomfortable with, and that has to do with how in American civil religion, in the way that we invoke God's Mm -hmm. name in our politics, Mm -hmm. we do it for our own political advantage. Correct. Politicians are not invoking God's name, you know, from some sort of, you know, altruistic notion. They want you to believe that they are godly and moral and they're the good guy and they should be, you know, they're riding in on the white horse and deserve to be elected. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, honestly, that is pagan. To manipulate God to serve your own needs and interests, that's pagan. That's not Christian. You know, we're out of time. We've been talking with Kevin James, Associate Director of Religious Liberty, Public Affairs for the Seventh-day Adventist Church in the southern part of the United States. We've been talking about an Alabama constitutional amendment proposed, a Ten Commandments Amendment. Kevin, thank you for being with us on Freedom's Ring today. Thanks for asking me, Alan. It's been a pleasure. And as we close, we want to remind our listeners here at Freedom Spring, we don't just talk about religious freedom, we help people suffering religious discrimination, especially in employment. So check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org, www.churchstate.org. And you can listen to Freedom Spring on SoundCloud or on iTunes. Freedom is not free, friends. Be informed. Get involved. This has been Freedom Spring. I'm your host, Alan Rhino. Until next week, let freedom ring.